Hey, what's up, Missoula? It's Coulter Nuanez of your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Not only does the M Store in downtown Missoula have the best and most unique Grizz gear you're going to find anywhere. That's right, they're all Grizz all the time down there at the M Store, which if you haven't been into their relatively new location there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway, go check it out. You're going to find Grizz stuff that you can't find anywhere else in Missoula or anywhere else in Montana. But they also have a new Apple store inside the M store. Now, I've been using a MacBook Pro for the better part of a decade, and it is awesome. But it's also a little bit precarious to find somebody to fix it. I also have a habit of leaving my MacBook chargers in various airports across the United States. Don't worry, I've accumulated like four or five of them now because I have to rebuy them. And then they, you know, eventually find them and send them back to me. But that's here nor there. Any and all Apple products you might need, any and all Apple service you might have to have taken care of, they can help you down there at the M Store. Go check out the M Store for all of your Apple needs and all your Grizz needs. The M Store, located in the heart of downtown Missoula, where they're all Grizz all the time. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. So you're like the one new age guy, newer guy, that I'm not oblivious to? is Kendrick Lamar. Love me some Kendrick Lamar. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. The miseducation of Coulter Nuanas here uh, on your radio dial. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Thanks so much for tuning in, whether you're watching on uh, SWX Montana Television, streaming on the ESPN MT app, or listening on 102.9 FM ESPN Radio. We appreciate you being here. I am coming to you live from the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting has been locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and certainly uh, happy to say so. Miss anything in the first hour of the show, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Nuanas Now podcast, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. Is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. And the MSU Bookstore. Now, we got a ton to get to here today uh, in the second hour. Uh, but first, I just wanted to... We had, we had so many interviews in hour number one. Patrick O'Connell, former grizz. Tao Kata and James Campbell, former Bobcats. All three of them headed the Seattle Seahawks. We also um, heard from Cotter Dick, our Vertical Rays and ESPN MT Class AA Boys Basketball Player of the Year. We didn't really have any time for reactions on all of those interviews. So Andrew Houghton, our producer, uh, he'll join me uh, intermittently here in hour number two. Uh, but let's just start with the news of the weekend. Uh, we also saw... Malik Flowers get signed by the New Orleans Saints today. Uh, we, we're unsure if that's a free agent contract or a minicamp invite, but it sounds like they, they specified minicamp invite for Justin Ford, who's headed to Baltimore, and they specified minicamp invite for um, Callahan O'Reilly from Montana State. So I'm thinking that it's more of a priority free agent contract for Malik Flowers. But uh, anyways, Andrew, was there anything that surprised you one way or the other with the guys from the Big Sky, especially, excuse me, specifically with the guys from Montana uh, that are getting an opportunity at the next level? 
No, I don't think so. With the news that Malik Flowers is getting a shot, that would have been the one surprise to me if he had not gotten a contract or at least a mini camp invite somewhere. But with that news coming through this afternoon, uh, that's pretty much what I expected. Um, you know, I would have said before the draft that one of Patrick O'Connell or Ty Okada was going to get drafted, but I wouldn't have felt really strongly about that opinion. Um, and I, I don't think it's surprising that instead of going in the seventh round, I think they were both the kind of guys whose phones were ringing off the hook as soon as the draft ended. See, here's where I'm at. I'm on the opposite side of this, and it's not trying to be a hater or a contrarian. I just think that we we have so defined draft picks as financial investments. And for better or worse, and in a lot of ways I think it's for the worse, Players are not humans, they're commodities when it comes to NFL teams. They are acquisitions. They're pieces of business. And so then, from a business standpoint, you want to take the least risk, highest reward investment you can make when it comes to your quote-unquote draft capital. Now, we've seen all sorts of guys come from a lower level of college football and become... uh, Adequate to good to great NFL players, certainly. But there's just such a there's such a uh, higher bust potential when you pick a guy, unless he's unbelievably surefire. So what I'm getting at here is that I think that we're going to see less and less of the guys, you know, your your Patrick O'Connells and Ty Okadas of the world get drafted because, like, I was watching the 6th and 7th round while I was playing golf. I was just following it on my phone. When guys that were all SEC selections at Missouri are going in the 6th and 7th round, it, it, it seems very difficult, unlikely, and in some way, I'm not going to say impossible because it's not impossible, but if you could draft the, the All-American safety out of Boise State or the All-Big Sky safety out of Montana State, you're going to pick the guy with more prestige and less risk because you can. every single team in the NFL is going to sign between 40 and 42 undrafted free agents to fill out their roster. So you get to pick 40 different guys that you don't have to necessarily draft. I mean, you're going to fill out part of that 40 with your draft picks, but you're going to be able to sign... 20, 25, 30 uh, guys just straight off the street. So I, I just think that because of the development that exists, the resources that exist in the Power Five especially, I just think that teams are going to continue to gravitate towards picking you know, the third or fourth or sixth best guy off of Missouri's defense rather than one of the best players in the FCS or the Big Sky. Yeah, I think another potential reason for it is the, these guys here at Montana and Montana State the only thing that drafting a guy gets you is that somebody else doesn't get him, right? That's right. The the C, A team like the Seahawks, who had a scout at both these pro days, know that they have an in with these guys, know that they can offer them a good undrafted free agent contract. I think they're probably a little bit more confident in grabbing guys from out-of-the-way places like Montana or Montana State, right? For like, sure. Every- there's a reason that there's, like, clusters of right. FCS guys. The Saints are a team that has a lot of FCS guys. The Rams... I mean, the Rams had like five guys on their active roster when they went to the Super Bowl, when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and the Seahawks are one too. It's like the Niners, the Saints, the the uh, 
the Rams and the Seahawks are like the four biggest FCS conglomerates. That's right. And like how many NFL scouts were at like a pro day like Missouri's, right? You had 20 right, or 25 right. teams there, right? You might need to take that guy to stop him from, from somebody else taking him. But if you're a team like the Seahawks, you know, you've been here, you've got these connections, you're pretty confident that you can get these FCS players who you like after the draft is over, and, and that proved this year. Come on, it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN uh, MT app. I do think it's also fascinating. I think that the one thing, so now now all you needed for, if you're, if you're Ty Okada or Patrick O'Connell or James Campbell, you just needed an opportunity. And all three of those young men, to a man in the first hour, all said, I know the way I'm going to make the Seattle Seahawks roster is on special teams. I do think that the one inherent advantage guys from small schools come in with, I th- actually, I think there's two. One, Patrick O'Connell and Ty Okada have already been the underdog guys that had to go make the team. They already were that in their football careers before. So they know how to do it. They know how to channel that mindset. The second part, though, is there's a lot of dudes coming out of the Power Five that didn't have to cut their teeth on kickoff to go you know, solidify their roster spot and make sure they could have a standing in their program. Almost every guy that's coming out of the SEC was at the bare minimum a three-star recruit, if not higher. So he doesn't necessarily have that, I'm going to make the squad on kickoff mentality. Patrick O'Connell and Ty O'Connell already did that. <laughs> James Campbell w- was toiling in Nowheresville as a receiver at Montana State who just couldn't figure out a way to get on the field. Then he starts running down on kickoffs. And he's one of the fastest guys of the entire league. And MSU's like, oh, we got a gunner. All of a sudden, Boomy's playing corner, and all of a sudden he's getting a shot in the NFL. So I think that the fact that they have already made teams better by contributing on special teams uh, gives them certainly uh, an advantage. We'll keep talking more NFL draft. Here's some of the other big sky guys, in case you missed it, that are headed to the NFL. Uh, Ty Okada, Patrick O'Connell, James Campbell are all going to be joined in Seattle by Anthony Adams, former Portland State defensive back. He has a mini camp invite, so he's going to have to uh, fight that uphill battle, but still an opportunity. A guy that was a multiple-time All-American at Portland State. An interesting case study because he's certainly a good player. He also played a very unique position in Portland State's defense, which made his numbers, I'm not going to say inflated, but very, very prestigious. Anthony Adams was a multiple-time All-American because he led the country in pass breakups twice. Part of that is just because of the opportunity he was able to have in Portland State's defense, but that's not to take anything away from him. He's still a talented guy, uh, so that's interesting. Nick Amoa, an offensive lineman from UC Davis, is headed to the Bears. Chris Coleman, a wide receiver from Cal Poly, is headed to the Dolphins. Alonzo Davis, who's a corner from Northern Arizona. This is actually this is the first time this has ever happened to me in my entire career. Andrew's giving me the who is this guy, too. I've, I've never seen in 17 years covering the Big Sky Conference a guy that went to the NFL that I didn't know who he was before he went until Alonzo Davis. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, Alonzo Davis is obviously a talented player. He's going to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's never happened to me before. That that was mind-blowing to me. Yeah, say, same here. <laughs> the, the thing that's so peculiar is they have multiple good players in their secondary that I do know. Like, Morgan Vest is a good player. He, we, we voted for him for all league a couple times. Uh, 
the, the other kid, the kid who got run over by uh, Troy Anderson and Bozeman, the way I thought I shouldn't, it's so bad to speculate, especially after the DeMar Hamlin situation. But I thought this kid was dead for a minute when Troy Anderson ran over him. That's not necessarily a unique situation. Troy Anderson, when he was playing quarterback, was running over everybody. But I, I digress. That kid, Anthony Sweeney, I think is his name, uh, he's a good player too. It's just very interesting to me that I could name multiple players from Northern Arizona secondary and didn't know who this kid was. But either way, uh, good for him. Elijah Dotson, who's a kid that Chris Sands probably remember. He had uh, one of the great days by a visiting opponent in Washington Grizzly Stadium on homecoming in 2019. Rushed for about 275 yards, but the Grizz did win that game against Sac State. That's actually the last time the Grizz beat Sac State. How about that? Who would have had that uh, coming, uh, that Sac State would then run through the league the next three years? But anyways, Elijah Dotson fell out of favor at Sac State, transferred to Northern Colorado, but he's getting an opportunity with the Los Angeles Chargers. And then one last Big Sky tie, uh, George Tarlis, who was an all-Big Sky defensive end at Weber State, played his last year at Boise State. He's headed to the Raiders. Also got minicamp invites from Callahan O'Reilly from Montana State. He's headed to the Bears. Justin Ford uh, from the Grizz, he's headed to the Baltimore Ravens. And then Malik Flowers, he's headed to the New Orleans Saints. We mentioned Morgan Vest. Where is he going? I think he's got, uh, he actually got a couple minicamp invites. I think the Giants are one of them. Uh, and another one. Looked up Alonzo Davis real quick. He played four years at Southern Utah before transferring to Northern Arizona for the oh, final year. Maybe I do know who he is then. Okay, he played at Southern Utah. I know that. I know who he is. Then. He was all conference in the spring season, and, and they had they had they they professed to have two NFL caliber corners when they had him and Josh Thornton. Right, and then they fell out of the or they shouldn't say fell out. They left the Big Sky Conference. Uh, okay, I do know who he is. I just didn't know him as. Uh, as an uh, NAU guy. Yeah, right. he did not uh, not rack up a ton of stats as one year at NAU. He had like 32 tackles, uh, two interceptions. A pretty good year. But, yeah, I, I could see why that would throw you off. Uh, the other one, Portland State, uh, Matayo Talalamotu. Great pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, a favorite, if you read the Around the Big Sky columns For on Skyline sure. Sports. He's in the sweet, pool. man. Uh, he, he, he's one of those guys where... We should actually do this sometime. G- guys that would be quote-unquote household names if they didn't play at the schools that get very little coverage. The ESPN MT All-Stars, man. This for is sure. what we should do. Just the guys sure. who we like. For sure. Who not a lot of people have heard about. I mean, Grizz fans will have heard about him because he opened the scoring in Portland State's game at Washington Grizzly this season. Uh, anyway, minicamp invite with the Titans. Uh, Bo Kelly also got a shot, I yes. believe. Bo Kelly was a receiver at Portland State, so three guys from, from Portland State. So, um, All right, well, as the uh, the world turns, other prominent FCS guys that are pertinent to you uh, loyal Montana listeners from around these parts. <laughs> Cody Mock was a second-round draft pick, uh, a guy who joined us here on uh, ESPN Radio last year when the Grizz were preparing to play at North Dakota State. Um, you, you can't say you feel bad for anybody that's just a second-round draft pick that has the unbelievable level of self-confidence and moxie that Cody Mock has. The only reason I feel bad for Cody Mock is Cody Mock is, a, a, first of all, he's a great football player. That's why he's a second-round draft pick as an offensive lineman out of NDSU. But he also has become almost a caricature of himself already because the dude doesn't have any front teeth. Now, I don't know if that's because he's a college kid and he just hasn't been able to afford it or he just doesn't like having his front teeth or maybe he has some implants that he puts on when he goes out on Friday nights. 
I don't know what's, or, you know, a little retainer. I don't know what the deal is. I only say I feel bad for him, though, because now the young man has the money to get his teeth fixed, and I think that there'll be an outcry if he does. <laughs> He's been the subject of Twitter conversations and memes and Instagram posts of people loving the no-two-front teeth. <laughs> so I just I hope that if the young man wants to get his teeth fixed, that he does. And if he doesn't, that's totally fine, too. I mean, you're, you're talking to a guy that rocked no tooth for, like, more than a year when, uh, when my baseball-busted tooth fell out. Uh, I've been there, man, so I, I totally get it. But I, <laughs> I hope if he wants to get his teeth fixed, he can, and no one gives any outcry uh, to you know sort of this cult hero he's become. I also thought his draft press conference was hilarious because they were asking him, because this kid was, he told this story on the show. He is from a, a tiny town in North Dakota, less than 1,000 people. He played nine-man football in high school. Does this sound familiar? This is a, a, you know, a Montana-esque story as well. But he played nine-man football in high school. He was like a preferred walk-on at NDSU. He was a tight end. He then just grew his way into being a multiple-time All-American offensive tackle. They asked him during his, his press conference after he got drafted, how, how did you put on all the weight? And he was like, well, I didn't really mean to or really try. I just really thought the dining plan at North Dakota State was awesome. And so I was eating like 27, 28, 29 meals a week. <laughs> I was just dying while I'm watching this guy. He's just so authentic. And he's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I just, I just like to eat. And I just kept eating. And then all of a sudden, here I am. And I'm 6'5", 310 pounds, and I'm making millions of dollars to play in the NFL. So uh, good for him. I hope he stays true to himself. I don't know if he'll actually be the same level of cult hero. Now he's just going to be an NFL offensive lineman that just has high expectations and almost no shine. But whatever. Uh, it should be fun to follow his career. And what do you know, another North Dakota State offensive lineman slided into the slid right into the NFL and is probably going to be slated right into a starting lineup. Tucker Craft, the other one you probably recognize, Tucker Craft, uh, the All-American tight end from South Dakota State. He was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we called this guy the Boss Hog at, at Skyline Sports because he just looks like uh, some sort of Marvel character or something. I, I've talked about this on the show a lot, but size is such an interesting concept. You, you can, there's what your listed size is, and then what you actually look like at said size, and then like your muscle structure, your body composition, all that. All, all I'm saying is Tucker Craft is listed at 6'4, 255 pounds. There's a lot of tight ends throughout all levels of football that are 6'4", 255 pounds. Not a lot look like this guy. There's a reason we call him the boss hog. This guy is unbelievably stout and put together, and uh, he's not going to look out of place in the NFL, I'll tell you that. Well, he gets drafted by the Green Bay Packers. That's great because not only is it a regional connection there between SDSU and, and Green Bay, pretty close, but also Tucker Craft, Craft Cheese, Cheese Heads, a lot of fun being had on Twitter uh, with these guys. So um, it's just fun to watch these guys achieve their dreams. And uh, we'll give you updates uh, whenever we can. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app transitioning from football to basketball because that's what's going down. Uh, as speculated, great Osabar. The Big Sky's top reserve at Montana State last year, he is headed to Utah State. So as we speculated, 
the uh, the the assembly the assembly of the Big Sky All Stars in Logan, Utah. It's getting pretty close to fruition. The only thing that would have made it any different is if uh, Raekwon Battle would have ended up at Utah State. Instead, he chooses West Virginia. But uh, over the last two weeks, Utah State adds Darius Brown, the Defensive Player of the Year at Montana State last year. Utah State adds Great Osobar, the top reserve out of Montana State. They add Nigel Burris, the Freshman of the Year at Idaho last year. Then they also add Jackson Grant, who was committed to Montana State before flipping and going to Utah State with Danny Sprinkle, and also the transfer from Wyoming that Montana or that Utah State, excuse me, just signed was slated to go to Montana State with Sprinkle. Instead, flips and uh, goes in conference uh, to Utah State. So uh, basically, count them up. Four guys that could have been at Montana State last year, or excuse me, this upcoming year, or at Utah State, and then who knows? Maybe Nigel Burris ends up at MSU if Danny Sprinkle's still there instead. Uh, he's at Utah State. So here's the tale of the tape. You got all those award winners uh, headed to Utah State. Isaac Jones, the newcomer of the year out of Idaho, he is to be determined, but he is in the portal. Still Venters from Eastern Washington, the Big Sky MVP, he is on his way to Gonzaga. First team all-conference in Big Sky men's hoops last year, Steel Venters. Dylan Jones from Weber State, he is still at Weber for now. Raekwon Battle of MSU is going to West Virginia. Angelo Allegri of Eastern Washington graduated. And Josh Bannon of Montana foregoes his final year of eligibility. He goes pro. Second team all-conference. Dalton Connect of Northern Colorado headed to Tennessee. Isaac Jones, to be determined. Jabril Bello of Montana State going pro. Cameron Parker of Portland State going pro. To be fair, both those guys exhausted their eligibility, so they couldn't have come back. Onan Moody, Montana, still at Montana. Third team, Caleb McCray of Sac State graduated. Jalen Cohn of Northern Arizona. He's headed to Arizona State. Do I got this right? I can't I can't pin down the Jalen Cohn. Jalen Cohn was at Virginia Tech, and uh, he's going somewhere. Maybe, maybe somewhere in California. I can't remember. I think he's going to Cal. Oh, he's going to Cal. That's right. Excuse me. He's going to Cal. That's exactly right. Jalen Cohn going to Cal. Braden Parker of Idaho State, I believe, is still uh, there. He, he's returning to Idaho State. Is this correct? From everything that I've heard, he's got years left. Yep. <laughs> okay. Braden Parker is still at Idaho State. Stephen Verplanken is still at Weber State. And then Darius Brown is at Utah State. The honorable mention all-conference in the Big Sky men's hoops, Dalen Kuntz of Northern Colorado. Going pro. Devontae Moffitt of Idaho going pro. Ethan Price of Eastern Washington still there. Brock McKenzie, he graduated, right? Is is Brock McKenzie's out at Idaho State? This was his last year of eligibility, his he, fifth he, year at Idaho State. Yeah, he yep. only he only played a whole bunch of years because he played at Point Loma for Matt Logie as the world turns. And then Zach Chappelle, is he is he going anywhere? Is he coming back? Do we have any idea about Zach Chappelle of Sac State? Have not uh haven't heard anything. And I wouldn't be surprised if if he stays as well. He's a he's a Sacramento guy. He's from Northern California, so okay. Uh, haven't heard anything about him hitting the portal yet. So basically, you got Dylan Jones, you got Anand Moody, you got Braden Parker and Stephen Verplanken, and you got uh, Ethan Price and Zach Chappelle. So six total guys from the Big Sky All League list that still remain. In the Big Sky Conference, some of those Actually, guys. I think Chappelle is done. Oh, that's right. He, Chappelle he, was two years at he, San Jose State. He was a State, senior, yeah, yeah. And then this was his third year at at Sac State. So. All right. Well, there you go. Um, see, I I know that the 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 get off my lawn guys are saying this is horrible for the Big Sky Conference. It, it's 
it's not, there's no way to spin it as like unbelievably great or even good. But I also don't think the world is ending. I, I do think that we're seeing this like re-stratification. A lot of these guys, first of all, I think a lot of these guys are going because a lot of these guys are going, if that makes sense. Like Isaac Jones is, is, is his situation is influenced by Nigel Burris. Nigel Burris went into the portal, got him out in West Offer. So then Isaac Jones sees that and he's like, well, I was better than that guy on my own team at Idaho. I'm going to go. There's a lot also that comes with the coaching change at Montana State. You know, when we have this as much of a mass exodus, if Danny Sprinkle wouldn't have left Montana State, I don't know. Then there's also the part about the extended eligibility where these guys are graduating. Steel Venters has two years of eligibility remaining, but he already got his degree in Eastern Washington, so he's going to grad school. Josh Bannon had a year of hoops left, but he already graduated. So that, that's that's because of the COVID in year. So I don't know. I think that to have a full analysis of how destructive this was to the league, it's going to take a little while for us to have a full deal. And I also think that with all these guys on the way out, that gives a lot of opportunities for guys coming in as well. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But I'm not ready to say burn it down to the big sky. I think the big sky, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why the big sky has been held back in men's basketball. Uh, I think a lot of those, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think a lot of the big sky's national standing, the reasons that there is issues with it, the transfer portal is only a part of it. The The fundamental uh, lack of identity of the league is a much bigger issue to me than the farm system that the league seemingly has become. We'll discuss that later on in the week. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. I got some stuff about the NBA that I'm burning on. We'll do that next. Keep it right here. 102.9. Coulter Nuwana is coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company on behalf of both ESPN Missoula and Skyline Sports. Here are some of our friends from Blackfoot Communications, one of our great business partners at both entities. They've done so much for us in helping us develop so many different things at Skyline Sports. Also help bring you our ESPN Radio podcast network as well. We're here with Hannah Kreiss from Blackfoot Communications. She is a business development representative. Tell people just about your history at Blackfoot. How long have you been at Blackfoot? Yeah, I've been at Blackfoot three years now. When it comes to just uh, your actual job title, what is it that you do? I mean, what is your primary things that uh, go on in your day-to-day at Blackfoot? Yeah, so I target and work with small businesses um, and just helping them get connected to internet and phone services, just smaller grade equipment and services that they might need and not all of the bigger enterprise. What's your favorite part about your job at Blackfoot? I like connecting with people and meeting new people and going out and just having those conversations and getting to know them in the community. And how about just the organization in general? I mean, it, it seems like such a great company to work for. Yeah, absolutely. It's very community-based, um, very family-oriented inside as well, and it's definitely very enjoyable. If you want to find out more about Blackfoot Communications in general, visit goblackfoot.com. Great website, very easy to navigate. They can help you with all sorts of things from small business development to any sort of fiber, internet, communications, anything like that. Small business networking, all of it. Visit goblackfoot.com. I don't know why, but I've always just been totally captivated by the Wu-Tang Clan. 
everything about it, the story, the origin, how many of them there are, the spinoffs, the split-offs, the collaborations. It's just, it's crazy. And they've been doing it forever. And uh, it's just wild. Wild to think of, of making art and being creative with your your friends and brothers like that for, for that many years. Go on, it's ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. But the saying is, I hate to say I told you so, but I love to say I told you so. It's probably a personality flaw of mine, but also uh, just the way that I was, I've always been. Like I always say, the only thing I root for in sports is, first of all, the great stories. Second of all, to be right. I, I've been telling you since a month before the NBA playoffs that the Lakers and the Warriors were contenders. And now guess what? They're both playing in the second round of the NBA playoffs, and they knocked out two of the three teams in the West that I said I didn't believe in, the Memphis Grizzlies and the uh, Sacramento Kings. Now, I must say, I was a little bit too harsh of a hater on the Kings. The Kings have a great roster construction. I was very impressed. I watched every game of that series. I loved every second of it. I loved Game 7 yesterday. But when it came down to it, Steph Curry, the assassin, I mean, the guy's 35 years old. He's having, I would say, one of his three best shooting seasons of his entire career. And that was one of his great playoff games ever in in his 35th year on the earth. Uh, The guy has gone from certain surefire Hall of Famer to now in the argument of one of truly the the few all-time greatest players in the game, right? I mean, who, who can we say is definitively... Like, way better than Steph Curry now. Certainly Michael Jordan, certainly Bill Russell, certainly Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Wilt Chamberlain, Tim Duncan. But now it starts to get a little bit... LeBron. Le- LeBron James, for sure. Kobe Bryant, for sure. But but then, like, the conversation begins. Like, the conversation is real now. Like, Jerry Wester or or Steph Curry. Oscar Robertson or Steph Curry. Hakeem. Hakeem Olajuwon or Steph Curry. Shaquille O'Neal and Steph Curry. That's an argument now. For sure. It really is. And, you know, John Havlicek, Moses Malone, like, he's putting Dr. J and Bob Pettit and guys like that in, in the rear view. And, and that's amazing to watch uh, somebody continue to ascend at a, you know, quote-unquote advanced age. Um I, I will say I was a little bit of a hater on the Kings. The Kings are, are a good team, and if they bring everybody back, which I think that the way that their roster is constructed, they're going to have a chance. But but here's the thing, Andrew. All the points you made about the young upstart teams, and you had watched a lot more regular season NBA, I think that all of them were valid. But there's a reason why the NBA is how it is, and that's the reason it goes how it goes. And I think it's it's why I love it. It's why some people don't like it. The NBA is the the sport of all American sports in which legacy-defining is part of the narrative more than any other portion of the narrative. And also how when you got the best players, if those guys are healthy and they understand the moment, they have such a huge advantage to rise up. The Kings did great to push this thing to Game 7. They just weren't going to beat the best team of the modern era Steph Curry's just not going to be done until he's done. It's the same thing with LeBron and the Lakers. Like, I know the Lakers are flawed. I know the Lakers had an up-and-down regular season. I know LeBron's been playing hurt for most of this year. But he, LeBron James knows this is his last chance to be one of, if not the best player on his team. LeBron's going to play for a long time more, I think. 
And I think he'll be he'll he'll morph into this old LeBron where he goes ring chasing and he's totally totally fine with being the third or fourth best guy on his team. But he knows this is the last time he's going to be one of the best players or if not the best player on his team. And it's hard to when you got a guy like Steph Curry who knows what it means in the terms of his legacy, you got a guy like LeBron, it's just hard to knock those guys out. And in a seven-game series, the cream almost always rises to the to the top. Well, and when you push it to seven games, what does that seventh game really come down to? It You're, comes down to 10 or 20 possessions here right. or there. That's right. And if you have the guy who's the best player on the court in those 10 or 15 or 20 possessions, how much does that tilt? What has really been an even series, and it really was a great even series between the Kings and the Warriors. Right. How much does just having that guy on the court tilt that really even series in your favor uh, for in sure. Game Seven? And 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 th- that's exactly right. And I think that that's one thing that some people don't like about the NBA is the series can be completely even. It can be completely well played. And great it's, coaching, great matchups. All of it. It's going to come down to in the like yesterday in the second half of that game. It is the easiest analysis in sports. The Warriors had Steph Curry and the Kings didn't, and that is it. Because were you watching these shots that Steph Curry was hitting? <laughs> Dude, when he gets in the lane and flips it up as he's falling down. I mean, the threes, whatever. He's getting in the lane, flipping up the balls. He's falling down for an and one. He's hitting floaters from behind the free throw line. I mean, I mean, the Kings were trying real hard on him. They they put Devion on Mitchell out there for a little while. Fox was doing his best on him. Does he's, not he's, matter. He's Those are not good shots. No, Steph Curry. Steph Curry though. Steph Curry took thirty eight shots yesterday. He made twenty of them. I bet that Steph Curry took twenty eight shots that a basketball purist would say was an awful shot. 28 of his 38 shots was a terrible shot. He probably made 60% of the bad shots. I mean, the, the thing is, Steph Curry could have had 60 yesterday. He got fouled on at least three of those threes, and they didn't call it. I mean, he's shooting 28-foot push shots through contact and falling on the ground and making it still. I was falling on the floor out of the, out of the chair laughing so hard. It was unbelievable. It was totally unbelievable. I thought Mike Greenberg nailed this on his show today. And I'm just going to reemphasize his take. When Steph Curry came out of Davidson, the the spin was he he, he got credit early on as, as a transcendent shooter. And then he had that season, which was basically his breakout year that started this epic 10-year run for the Warriors, where he made over 400 threes. And he, he broke the single season record for threes in a season by over 100. And... Uh, I mean, he, he fundamentally changed the game forever. Like, the proliferation of three-point shooting in all levels of basketball, some kids, I'm not going to say started with Steph Curry because there was other guys that sort of pioneered it, Reggie Miller and Ray Allen and Steve Nash and guys like that. But putting it into full overdrive and redefining the stylistic nature that basketball has played and especially at the highest level around the world, Steph Curry is the catalyst for that. Even though we gave him credit early on, though, as a... a a, if not the best shooter of the basketball ever, there was also sort of like this, this asterisk because it's it, it was like he's a circus show. Come watch the little guy who can dribble and shoot. You know, it's like the clown show or something. Like, come watch this guy with all his fancy trick shots, like treating him like the Harlem Globetrotters. It's somehow taken until Steph Curry's in year, what, 15 now, 14? Year 14? For us to really, truly realize this isn't a sideshow. This guy makes what most would call circus shots 
over and over and over again, but he does it not only just in the flow, he does it in the biggest moments. It's the clutch gene that he has that now I think has him knocking on, if not knocking on the door of the top 10 players of all time, if not absolutely squarely in the middle of the top 10 players of all time. Well, what people don't realize also is just how much Steph Curry's gravity... Steph Curry's persona yes. molded what the Warriors have become. For sure. It's not just him being a circus sideshow. He has imbued the Golden State Warriors with, I mean, the, the type of basketball that they play where everybody's cutting off the ball. They have great passing at every position on the court. Like, you can knock him for, for what he does on the court. You know, he's not a great defender. He can take bad shots. You think he's a circus? He's he's being the Harlem Globetrotters. What that team is is because of Steph Curry. And in the era, and he's done that over a decade. Over a decade, and in an era where everybody's trying to take him out, he's. Here's the other part about it. He's the most disrespected superstar ever in the NBA. Other superstars think Steph Curry sucks. That's why I think it's so awesome when he just completely rains on their head. Like, there's so many of these power guards that are like, well, I could take Steph Curry off the dribble all day, every day. <laughs> all Steph's got to do is hold up four rings. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Nuanas now ESPN Radio. Uh, the story, going into the the, uh, the conference semifinals now, we got eight teams left, four in the West, four in the East. One of the big storylines in the East, the, the Philadelphia-Boston series was billed as a potential heavyweight bout. But the heaviest of heavyweights, Joel Embiid, is not playing tonight. Embiid is out with a knee injury. Now, I don't want to be insensitive to the diagnosis. And I totally understand wanting to protect an asset. But the protection of an asset only goes so far in my mind. I don't want to be too hyperbolous about this, and I don't want to be uh, too speculative about this. But guys that play basketball for a living and have been in the NBA for a, a long time, especially big guys, if you wanted to go scope their knees, they likely have a little bit of a tear in their meniscus. You have a little wear and tear. That's what happens when you play basketball. So when Kawhi Leonard, when the Clippers get beat in the playoffs and then Kawhi Leonard says, oh, I got a torn meniscus, I need to have surgery. A lot of guys have torn meniscuses. The surgery and the timing of the surgery is a choice. When do you want to have your rehab? Now, I guess what I'm getting at with Joel Embiid is he has been very delicately handled because he has such an unbelievable history of injuries. And I, I don't think you ever want to risk that guy having a completely significant injury. But I also do think that sometimes you got to just play through it. And now his is an LCL sprain. I've sprained my LCL. It's painful. You're not going to be able to move very much. But there's there's a moment. That, there's two things happening here, right? You're, you're trying to preserve Joel Embiid. But at one point, does preserving him not outweigh how old he is and how little prime he has left? He's 29 years old right now. He's not. He's never going to be as good as he is. I mean, he might have one or two more years like he had this year. But, but he's never going to be younger. He's never going to be more athletic. He's never going to be more hungry. He's never going to be more ferocious. And he's never going to be less injury prone. So at some point, you got to just buck up. Like LeBron James, if he wanted to, probably could have shut it down and had season-ending surgery already. He's playing through 
various ailments because he knows this is his last run. And I'm not here to challenge Joel Embiid. We've seen this saga play out multiple times. This is why Kawhi Leonard's not a San Antonio Spur anymore. I mean, the 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 clearance by a training staff when the player wasn't mentally ready, I mean, that ruined Derrick Rose's career. It truly derailed his entire career. So I'm not trying to advocate for that. I don't want anybody's career derailed. I just wonder, though, Embiid is always hurt. At what point do you have to not manage the future and manage the now because the future is irrelevant compared to the now? You're never going to be better than this. I think the counterpoint to that would be, I think they partially are managing it for now, right? This is the he's been declared out for tonight. This is game one. Right. I okay. think if this was game seven, he would be playing. Right. But I think is it going to be better for the 76ers to have Joel Embiid sit out a couple games and maybe you get you a better, more healthy Embiid for yeah. the next five games of the series? Or yeah. do, you, do you get him to to put up? You know, do you get him out there and say, "Give it your best shot, Joel," in, in game one, and then maybe he's hobbling around yeah. for the rest of the series? It's not like it's not like a Willis Reed scenario, right? Where it was game for sure. seven for sure, for sure, for sure. And I I just hope that Embiid comes back because I just and part part of the story of the NBA and the chasing of championships is who gets hurt when. No all, it always has an influence, and I just I want the champion to be as good of a champion as it can be, and it, without Embiid, it's not as good of a championship race. Uh, agreed, and that that narrative will come into play if the Celtics win this series. Yes. The other thing with Embiid is like, Embiid is like uniquely huge, right? This is that <laughs> Kawhi right. Leonard's a huge human being. Totally, he's not Joel Embiid, and no, he's right. had injury issues in the past. I just think medically, such a unique situation because there's not really anybody like that that exists. I have one more thing to rant about, so we shall. Jimmy Butler, to me, does not get his due in NBA history. We shall discuss. Next, keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. Yeah, I mean, the sooner you call us, the better. You know, we're available 24-7, consultations are free, and when you've been in that accident, insurance companies are going to be jumping all over you to talk. So give us a call first and get yourself an attorney. 406-640-4444 or online, montanaadvocates.com. Free consultations, the Montana Advocates reminding you that you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. So the only thing I know about Meek Mill is that he's hilarious because he comes on the shop with LeBron James from time to time. That's about it. You're a Meek Mill guy though, right, Andrew? Just insofar as he's like a big Philly guy. <laughs> he just dropped the Eagles, so I figured that, that uh, you were into him. And the miseducation of Coulter Nuanas continues. Welcome back, Nuanas Now. Uh, Missed anything in the show today. You can always find it on the podcast. Jam-packed. Patrick O'Connell, former Grizz, now head of the Seahawks. Ty Okada, former Bobcat, head of the Seahawks. James Campbell, former Bobcat, head of the Seahawks. All three of them joined us during the Montana Football Hour. Also had a cameo from Connor Dick. Our vertical raise and ESPN MT Class AA Boys Basketball Player of the Year. He's committed to the Montana men's basketball team, so he also was part of our number one. We also talked all things NFL Draft when it comes to FCS pro, uh, products. Uh, and we also talked the uh, burgeoning Big Sky All-Star team. 
in uh, Logan, Utah, as uh, yet another former Big Sky standout, Great Osabar, going to play for Danny Sprinkle uh, at uh, Utah State. And then we also talked some NBA playoffs. You can find it all on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. Uh, I I watched this Michael Jordan, uh, I'll call it propaganda reel, before I went and saw Air, and it's called Fly With Me, and it's basically just a a 45-minute videotape of how cool Michael Jordan is. That's great. I just couldn't believe, like, the reverence that they spoke to him, uh, 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 spoke of him about on this film, especially considering the thing came out before he ever won a championship. So then that made me start to think about a lot of the sort of propaganda is the wrong word. That's too strong and harsh and, and charged of a term. But the, there was a lot of, of character building, and there still is. The NBA is all about character building. It's why it's such a big-time sport. The superstars in the NBA are as recognizable from a uh, sport and pop culture standpoint as almost anybody. But I guess what I'm getting at here is there was several guys that really benefited from the, the boost and the prop up that they received during the 90s, even though it was Michael Jordan that was winning all the titles. And uh, then I started thinking, though, about modern-day superstars and the guys that sort of get unjustified boosts and then other guys that maybe don't get as much love. A guy that's a good version of a – or a good example of a, an, a, to me, unjustified boost is Kyrie Irving. Irving, you know, hit the big shot in Cleveland to help LeBron bring a championship back to Cleveland – it's been a disaster since then. Ever since he split up with LeBron James, he's been nothing but a team killer. Yet, if you were to go to like the average, you know, watering hole in America talking NBA or the average playground or whatever, people would talk about Kyrie Irving as a, one of the better players in the league. Nobody talks about Jimmy Butler. I think there's part of part of the image building machine has never been on Jimmy Butler's side. There's also just been sort of the the, the reputation that he is a sometimes hard teammate to deal with. Uh, it kind of all fell apart in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, but that's not been uncommon. That's happened with a variety of players, Ben Simmons included. But Butler, for his flaws, has been one of, if not the dogs, in the NBA playoffs for the last several years. He has some of the most legendary performances we've seen, and now... After last night, uh, Miami not only knocked out the number one seeded Bucks, the team that I said was the overwhelming favorite. I always say I like to be right. Well, on that one, dead wrong. And I totally take accountability for that one. But it was because of Jimmy Buckets. He's the one that knocked the Bucks out. Now, the Heat have a one nothing lead over the New York Knicks after coming back and winning yesterday. So I was thinking... Jimmy Butler is a former junior college guy. He only played one year of big-time college basketball at Marquette. He's a second-round draft pick. He's had to do everything the hard way. He also, though, has pretty outstanding career numbers, and he's had unbelievably memorable playoff performances. Now, to me, to be one of the top 50, 60, even 70 guys in NBA history, you have to have either been a perennial all-star and one of the 10 or 15 best players in the league for a really long time, or you have to have been a champion or a combination of the two. But I thought of a great parallel. 
Jimmy Butler's been to one finals, and he's won a bunch of playoff series almost single-handedly. That's the exact same reg- resume as Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller and Jimmy Butler averaged the exact same amount of points for their careers. Reggie Miller, though, just happened to be in Indiana and stayed in Indiana and got this entire David Stern propaganda machine to promote him for the duration of his career. Jimmy Butler's been this sort of nomadic guy who comes from nothing. I don't know, man. I'm not trying to say that Jimmy Butler's like a top 75 player of all time, but I think Jimmy Butler's probably in the top 100 players of all time. I don't think anybody off the tip of their tongue would say that. I'd argue for him top 75 all time. Not a ton of time left for this discussion. I know. We'll do we'll do a little bit of this tomorrow. Because there's an added uh, thing. We were just talking about Joel Embiid. Yeah. Do you think we'd remember Jimmy Butler for better or for worse now if the Joel Embiid Philly team had worked out? If they hadn't picked Tobias Harris over him? Because I think it's likely they might have won a championship with that team, but Jimmy Butler probably wouldn't have been the guy on that team. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I do think, like, if you look at Bill Simmons's pyramid, and I know we're running out of time, being a, a second or third best player on a team but winning a bunch of championships gets you a higher rating, whereas Jimmy Butler's been the best player on multiple teams. We'll revisit this tomorrow. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other stuff to get to as well. We'll dive more into the NFL draft on a full league perspective. We'll also give you our Treasure State Stars, some of the best of the best from the weekend. And we got free sandwiches as well. Tag Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us. Is Jimmy Butler better than Roger Miller? I give you 24 hours to think about it. We'll see you tomorrow. ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? It's Coulter Nuanas From your favorite daily sports talk show, Nuanas Now, which airs live each weekday between 4 and 6 p.m. on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV, and worldwide on the ESPN MT app. And of course, as you're listening right now, you can always find Nuanas Now archived as well on the Nuanas Now podcast. One of the biggest events on campus every single year at Montana State is the MSU Spring Rodeo. Get rodeo ready with the MSU Bookstore all month long. MSU Rodeo tees and equine accessories will be available starting on April 10th. All month long, you can get three t-shirts for $25, two crewnecks for $50, or two hoodies for $55. Go check out all the great rodeo gear at the Montana State Bookstore on the MSU campus. The Montana State Bookstore also does a great job of giving back some of their proceeds to help reduce textbook costs for students across the the MSU community. And of course, it's your go-to place to get your blue and gold on game day or any other day. Montana State's rodeo team, as prestigious and nationally powerful as they come. So if you're planning on heading to the spring rodeo, swing by the MSU bookstore first. When you're in need of some Bobcat gear, go check out the Montana State Bookstore located in the Strand Union building on the Montana State campus in Bozeman, Montana.